0: The Tim Knuckles, as he comes today to preach the word of the Lord to us. Thank you, Pastor. It is a privilege for our family to be here this weekend, and Travis has already said the real reason that we are here is because of our grandson, Josiah. The best title that I've ever had is Pop Pop. It is an incredible thing. For years, we pastored churches and everyone wanted to show us grandchildren pictures and talk about their grandchildren and they would tell us that it's the grandest thing on the planet. And I'd go, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. You know, I'm trying to do that to, to, to just encourage them pastorally. But let me tell you, it would be absolutely wrong of me not to tell you how wonderful my grandson is. He is the most handsome. He is brilliant. Chris, would you just, you and Patty, just let everyone see Josiah. You've probably seen him on Facebook. (laughs) And I have to tell you, it is awesome. If you're not part of this wonderful club, then God will bless you, perhaps, and you'll have grandchildren one day, and you'll understand why we are so absolutely crazy over grandchildren, but it is a delight for us to be here this morning to be with Pastor Travis and Kelly We heard about the transition that was taking place at the church and i know that there was apprehension there's always apprehension during times of transition but there's always times of anticipation and when i heard that pastor travis and kelly and their kids were coming to be your pastor i got real excited for you as a church as a body of christ they are an incredible couple i have watched them grow and mature from just And by the way, Travis, I was only 12 when I was the youth pastor here, so I'm not that much older than you. (laughs) You'll get that on the way home. I have watched them mature and grow in the Lord, and you guys are a blessed congregation to have them. Amen. Amen. As I was thinking about all the things that God has allowed them to do and experience over the past several years, I thought... Sharon and I are so proud of them, and I know that that's probably not the most spiritual word, but it's the only word that I could really come up with. I am so proud of what God is doing in their life, in their ministry, and you're going to be blessed as he just continues to take this church to a new level, a new growth of dimension that God has for you and we're so delighted to be here today to look across the congregation and see so many friends that we've had over the years who could have imagined that 35 years ago that we would still be interconnected to this church and now it's through family and we are so pleased to be with you today to have friends with us and Family members, and I, it's just wrong of me to start naming names, but we are blessed to be here. If you have your Bibles, I want to get right into the Word of God. Genesis chapter 32, we're going to begin reading in verse number 22 through 31. And as you're turning there, if you've ever had a problem with your image or your identity, if you're having a problem about your self esteem and, and what God really sees in you, this is your message today. And I want you just to follow along with me in the Word of God. And allow the holy spirit to take the word of god and let it pierce your hearts today this is what the word says in genesis chapter 32 beginning in verse number 22 the bible says and he talking about jacob arose that night and took his two wives his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of jabbok he took them and sent them over the brook he sent over what he had then jacob Was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? He said, Jacob and he said your name shall no longer be called Jacob but Israel for you've struggled with God and with men and you've prevailed then Jacob asked saying tell me your name I pray and he said why is it that you ask me about my name and he blessed him there so Jacob called the name of that place Peniel meaning for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved just as he crossed over penile the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip therefore to this day the children of israel don't eat the muscle that shrank which is on the hip socket because he talking about god touched the socket of jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank would you pray with me again that god would anoint us together Father, I'm so thankful that I have the privilege of speaking and preaching your word today. I pray, God, that you would anoint us together, that the power of the Holy Spirit would overshadow me as I bring your word today. I believe that this is a right now word for this congregation. And I'm praying, God, that you would pierce the heart, the mind of your people, that it challenge, confront, and ultimately change us. And God, we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. William was born October 28, 1949, in a little community called Mount Kisco, New York. As a youngster, he struggled with dyslexia. And because of that, he struggled in school. But he had a rare ability to excel in all kinds of sports. He actually went to college on a football scholarship. But an injury forced him to switch sports to track and field. William was so good at this sport that his college coach convinced him to train for the Olympic decathlon. Now I want you to understand what he was training for. The decathlon is a 10-event marathon that's completed in two days. It includes the 100-meter run, the running long broad jump, The shot put, the high jump, the 400-meter run, the 110-meter hurdles, the discus throw, the pole vault, the javelin throw, and to cap it all off. When you're tired and wore out, there's a 1,500-meter run in 1976. After training for four years in Montreal, Canada, William won the gold medal in the decathlon and set a new world record for the event. He was identified at that moment as the greatest athlete in the world. And because of this identity and the image that was created because of his masculine physique, he cashed in on his fame. William was one of those few superior athletes that was actually put on the box of Wheaties, his image. He also appeared in several movies and television shows, but through his own admission, In a recent interview with Diane Sawyer, he said, I was confused and scared. I didn't fit in. As a matter of fact, I struggled with my identity and my image. And the one that I had for myself is I always thought I was a woman. You're right. His name is William Bruce Jenner. And at 65 years of age, he is so confused about who he is, his identity, his image, that now he is changing his physical appearance and announced just a few weeks ago that I am a woman and my name is Caitlyn Jenner. I don't understand, nor do I condone the action, but there are a lot of people who struggle with their image. They struggle with who they are and... How they're viewed by others, their self-worth, their value is so wrapped up in their image and their reputation. And that's where we find Jacob here in Genesis 32. Jacob knew what it was to be a person whose self-worth and self-esteem is wrapped up in the things that you possess. He had been a young man full of promise and potential. Words of prophetic greatness had been spoken over his life by God and somehow He felt if if those words are going to come to pass, then I'm going to have to work and scheme, plan, promote, manipulate, trick, scam and pursue those things on a secular plane if God is going to accomplish them on a spiritual plane. In other words, he felt like he needed to help God out. Can I help someone today? You don't need to help God out. God will get you to where you need to go. You don't need to manipulate the situation give me a Presbyterian amen for 40 years his plans had succeeded making one deal after the other, trading his older brother out of the birthright, faking out his father to get the blessing that only goes to the oldest son, outplaying outmaneuvering his father-in-law leaving until he had more possessions than his father-in-law and all of his sons if I'm looking and imagine with me, if I'm looking through the lens of Jacob's eyes, my self-image, my self-identity is pretty good. I, I, I would consider myself a strong, a worthy opponent. I, I'm a pretty good wheeler-dealer. I can survive by the seat of my pants in any situation. I'm a master manipulator. I can take the moment and seize it and take advantage of it for myself. And he was the consummate deal-maker he had accumulated a large family, tremendous wealth, but at the point of our text, he is heartsick for home. And going home is going to pose tremendous problems for Jacob. He's going to face a brother that he had swindled who had vowed to kill him on sight, but the problem is so much deeper. And, and, and I want you to stay on this journey with me this morning. I have prayed, I have asked God to help me communicate this so that you get what I'm going to say. But I want to paint a portrait of who Jacob is so when we get to the revelation that God has dropped in my spirit, you will understand it through the eyes of Jacob. Jacob is a master manipulator who lives his life with an angle. You see, Jacob's struggles did not begin when he decided to go home It began because he lived his life with an angle. He always had a scheme. He always was full of maneuvering and contriving and trickery. His plots and his plans always showed up. And I just want to list three really quickly for you. The first time that we see Jacob in this image of who he really is, he he trades his older brother out of the thing called the birthright. It's in Genesis 25. The Bible describes his older brother who is really his twin who was born just a few moments before him as a man of the field who loved hunting in the outdoors. And Jacob is described as a man who loves to be a chef and hang around the tents and sort of manage the business affairs. And one day his brother Esau comes in from hunting. And Jacob is stirring up a pot of lentils, the Bible says. And down in South Louisiana, we would call it red beans and rice. And and the smell of that overwhelmed Esau. And he said, give me some of that. Now Jacob, remember, is a manipulator. He is a tricker. He is a deal maker. And he said, I'll give you what I've cooked if you will give me your birthright. Now, you and I may not understand the birthright, but I want to tell you that it is a significant deal for Jacob because he understands it gives him instant credibility, honor, and privilege in the family. And Esau said, if I die of hunger, what good is a birthright? And he traded Jacob his birthright for a bowl of red beans and rice. But Jacob, in this story, is painted as a deceiver. And the second time I find him is in Genesis 27, and the Bible says that his mother overheard the fact that Isaac, his old father, is going to pass on the blessing to the firstborn. And he has sent Esau out to track down savory game, cook it, prepare it for him. And when he gets back, he's going to lay his hand on his head and pronounce a blessing over his life. And his mother gets involved in the scheme. It's a, it's a terrible thing when, when there's such conflict in our families, is it not? I got one Amen. Obviously there's no conflict in anybody's family today. It's a terrible thing when moms plot against dads and brothers plot against brothers. But we find Jacob plotting against Esau and he dresses up like Esau. He puts on Esau's clothes. He he prepares something that almost tastes like what Esau is going to bring in. He goes unto his father. He said, bless me. And, and, and his father said, there's the voice of Jacob, but I feel the hair of Esau. And he blessed him there. I want you to understand the blessing. The blessing is heaven's due, earth's riches, abundance. People bow before you. Those who curse you will be cursed. Those who bless you will be blessed. Can I tell someone today that you and I as children of living God we are still living under the blessing of Abraham Isaac and Jacob God still blesses those who love him and appreciate him and serve him our God still blesses us it's still in force no wonder Jacob wanted this blessing but he tricked he deceived to get it his brother came in from the field and he cried out this and I want you to get this it's so important He said, isn't he rightly called Jacob? (sighs) He's deceived me these two times. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Jacob only got those through duplicity because he lived his life with an angle. And then he finds out because he stole, he stole the blessing that his brother has vowed to kill him when his father passes away and his mother gets re-involved and sends Jacob on a journey to her brother by the name of Laban. When Jacob gets to Laban's house, he falls madly in love with Rachel, Laban's daughter. You're talking about when two con artists get together. Laban almost out Jacob, Jacob. He said, I want to pay you wages. And Jacob said, I want to marry Rachel. He said, if you'll work for me seven years, I'll give you my daughter Rachel to marry. That must have been some kind of woman. Are you guys awake yet? Seven years. The only wage you get is her. The Bible says that the time went by so quickly. But on his wedding night, he was given a bride. But the next morning, because Laban is a good manipulator, he rolls over and sees her sister Leah. And he says, what have you done? Why have you tricked me? That's the pot calling the kettle black. He said, it's not our custom to give the youngest before the eldest. Therefore, stay with her seven days and then I'll give you Rachel work for me seven more years and you can have both of them. You know, the first deal was okay, but this is not going to be the best deal for Jacob. The Bible says after 20 years of Laban out tricking, out maneuvering Jacob, God still blesses him because the blessing of God never fails. You didn't get what I said. The blessing of God never fails. When God says it, it's settled. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. When God chooses to bless somebody, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of them. God is going to bless them. Twenty years have come and gone. Laban has changed his wages over and over again. And with that background in mind, we come to our text 20 years of manipulation, 20 years. Jacob is tired of it, and the Bible said that he runs again. He decides to go home. However, going home is going to pose some problems. He's going to run smack into his past. Can I help someone today? Your past will always catch up with you. Hello? He ran right into his past. He had to deal with his past. The Bible says in that chapter that Esau is on his way to meet Jacob with 400 armed men. And right now, the birthright and the blessing don't mean that much to Jacob because he is afraid for his life. He is afraid that he's going to lose everything that he's worked so hard to get on his own. But still, he's a man with a plan. The Bible tells me that he sends Esau present after present, one on the heels of the other, to appease Esau. And then that night after he has sent blessings all day long and presents all day long, the Bible says that he is left alone with his wives and his children, and the Bible says that he takes them across the ford of the Jabbok, the Jabbok River, and he is left all alone. There's something that's going to happen when he is totally alone. Nothing there in the dark but him and his memories. Nothing but him and his conscience. I remember an old mountain preacher years ago, I heard him in his church, he said, I'd rather go to bed with an old wet dog than a guilty conscience. He said, at least I could turn away from the old wet dog. But every time I turn over, my conscience is right there nagging my spirit. Jacob was all alone, the Bible says, for a moment with nothing but his memories and his conscience. Or was he that alone, Pastor? No. Can I just paint this picture for you? Jacob is alone in the dark, and then all of a sudden, someone tackles him to the ground. He's wrestled to the ground, and the Bible says that there is a wrestling match that takes place all night long. When it first happens, Jacob thinks there's a man that's wrestling with me. There's someone that has attacked me in the dark and he fights with all of his might. He's never been outdone, outmaneuvered before. So in his mind, there's no way he's going to be outdone by this person, whoever they are that has attacked him. But the longer he struggles, the more he realizes that he doesn't have the strength to fight him. All he has is the strength to hold on. And right when dawn is beginning to break, this person, this being says, let me go. He's getting ready to be light. And Jacob says, no. I'm going to hold on until you bless me. And at that moment, the Bible says that he touched the the, the inner thigh of his leg, the strongest muscle in a man's body, letting him know that in your strength, you are are nothing. And he knocks it out of socket. And all of a sudden he realizes I'm not wrestling with a man. I'm wrestling with an angel perhaps. I cannot get the upper hand. I cannot outmaneuver. I cannot outtrick. And all of a sudden this being that we later find out that it's God looks at him and says, "What is your name. Now wait a minute, Bishop. If it's God, he already knows his name. Yes. But that wasn't the point of the question. The question was, what is your identity? How do you see yourself? And He discl- this is the aha moment. I hope today God gives us some aha moments here. It's at this moment that he realizes, I'm in the hands of God. He knows my name, but he knows who I am. I might as well confess. And he said, I am Jacob. Literally, I am what my name represents. I am a deceiver. I am a manipulator. I am a heel grabber. I am someone who schemes and plots. I am what my name represents. I am Jacob. I know where I'm going, and I'm about to get excited. And he said, No, no. You are no longer Jacob, you are now Israel. Now, if you look at the names carefully, Jacob means one who trips up, one who grabs the heel. He was named Jacob because on the way out of the birthing canal, he grabbed Esau's heel. He would ever be, didn't Esau say, isn't he rightly named Jacob? He's a deceiver. What are you? I'm Jacob. No, no, no. You're no longer Jacob. Jacob. You're going to be Israel, or you're going to be a prince of God. And the Bible says that God blessed him there. And he got up when the sun came up, and it said he limped away. Boy, there are so many avenues and roads I want to go down. I'm going to go down a couple because i got a few moments. Jacob, when he realized that he was in the presence of Almighty God, he said, I'm going to hang on until you bless me. Can I tell someone this morning, God is not always interested in just blessing you. There are times that God wants to transform you. Most of us come to church with the wrong attitude, the wrong disposition. Why are you here? I want my blessing. I came for the blessing If the choir doesn't sing my favorite song and I don't get my blessing, I'm going to leave like a puffed up toad. I know you, Pastor, you don't have anybody like that here. Or you don't know them yet. You're just a newbie. (laughs) If my pastor doesn't preach just like I want him to preach and I don't feel little doodads going up and down my spine and I walk out, I came for a blessing. God doesn't want to just bless us. God wants to transform us. God wants to change us. God wants to alter us. You're saying, why are you so mad? I'm not. I really am not. But your name, I'm Jacob. No, no. You're not Jacob. You're Israel. There's some lessons that I really want you to get before you leave today. You see, at Jabbok, Jacob's religion gave way to spirituality. We are such a religious nation, but we are not very spiritual. At Jabbok, when he has an encounter with God, he no longer has a view of God like many of us because the first encounter that Jacob had with God was at Bethel. It was really called a place called Luz, but he changed it to Bethel, and he said, I've seen the heavens open up, and he said, "Yeah, I've seen the house of God. I've seen the angels descend and ascend. I've seen the glory of God. I've seen the blessings of God. I've seen the splendor of God. I've seen the awesomeness of God. What an incredible thing it is. And he made an altar there. And Jacob became religious because he made a deal with God. He said, God, if you'll keep on blessing me and if you'll protect me and if you'll bring me back to where my family is, then you can be my God and I'll pay my tithe. He was a deal maker. None of you are deal makers, I know. God, if you'll heal, if you'll do this, I'll do that. I don't have my glasses on, so I really can't see how you're reacting. But God gives him something else. God gives him a new name, which is a new image and a new identity of himself. Um, Travis, I want you to help me with that. I'm going I'm to get you to bring that up here. There are three images that, uh, that we struggle with. Just stand right there and just hold that. This is a mirror, guys. How many looked in the mirror this morning? Two out of three. That's not bad for a church this size. That's why most of you, your hair looks messed up. Okay. Hold that up. I want to look at myself. This is the first image. This is the first image that I have of myself. It's a reflection. Wow. That's a pretty handsome guy right there. You better take your halo off because that's how most of you look this morning when you look you go, wow he's not it's not real bad my pants are a little long where they hemmed him wrong but other than that and I got borrowed cufflinks on from the pastor because I forgot mine in the Kmart tie but you know it's okay it's not a bad image you know what but if we really look at that there are days we walk up to this mirror and we look into that mirror and we go man there, there, there's somebody there that has no worth that has no value uh, th- there are times Pastor, that I've looked in that mirror and, and I really see past the, the reflection. And, and, and can I tell you that mirrors lie? Look at your neighbor and say, Mirrors lie. You don't believe that, do you? That's why a little skinny girl can look into a mirror and think she's fat and starve herself to death. That's why a man by the name of Bruce Jenner can look into the mirror, not see a man with a tremendous physique, but see a woman. That's, there's such confusion there because this mirror lies. This is the image. This is the reflection that I have of myself. And there are times that I look at that and I go, there's no worth. There's no value there. You don't fit in. You don't belong. As a matter of fact, I traveled the camp meeting trail this year. And I, I was at one particular camp meeting and I was in a room with all the dignitaries and all, and all those people that were, that were, you know, just who we sort of label. And I go, I don't belong here. There's no value there. I, this, is, this is not my cup of tea. And, and, and I get down on myself. Does anybody ever look in the mirror and get down on yourself? This mirror lies. It's only a reflection of what you think you are. It's only a reflection of what you think you are. You're not hearing what I'm saying. This is revelation this morning. It's only a reflection of what you think you are because when I look in that mirror, I see a young, vital, vibrant preacher of the gospel. Man, I just see someone that, that sort of got locked in their mid-30s and, and 40s, and I go, wow! Hallelujah! You, you better put that up. I'm getting really attached to it. You, you can be seated with that. I'm done with that. There, there. I'm sorry. My mom and dad, they told me when I was young I could do anything, I could be anything, and I was the best looking thing on the planet. My, my daddy's last words to me before he passed away almost a year ago, he looked up and he said, you're so pretty. And I thought, he's so right. <laughs> and then I realized the only reason he said that is because I look just exactly like he looked. And when he looked at me, he saw himself. And that's why he said, because my dad always said they would walk in when he was dying and say, Ellis, you look good. He said, I've never had a problem looking good. I just don't feel good. But there's a second image. Anybody got a camera with you, uh, a phone with you this morning? One, I, you guys are just not going to be truthful, are you? Anybody got their, their phone with them? How many have a camera on that phone? W- would somebody take a picture of me? You got it? This was your opportunity to, to have this memory last forever. You could have tweeted it. You could have put it on Facebook that I was here today, but you missed your moment. Can I see that? You guys are really nervous. You're going, I'm so glad Pastor Travis is here with us. Bless God. Well, that, that's not me. That, that's, are you kidding me? Is there something wrong with your phone? There's a there's a chubby middle-aged guy there with graying hair. That can't be me. My face is falling. (laughs) (laughs) You're giving me a twitch. I used to have black hair, you're right. I used to have black. I, but when I look in a mirror, that's what I see. I see a guy with black hair. I don't see a guy with that's overweight, his face has fallen and, and got a lot of gray hair. I, I don't You see, this this right here is an image. It's been taken by a camera. I'm giving this away as a door prize if you remember any of the sermon. Thank you, sis. You see, that's the second thing that I deal with. How you look at me. How you view me. You see, I don't see myself like that. I see myself as one that's younger. One that's more vibrant. I I don't see myself a lot like you see me. And you know what? You know what? You know what? In the body of Christ, there are so many people who are so consumed of what you think about me. And you live your life wondering how people view you. You struggle with who you are. Because you're always concerned of how are they going to view me. There are times you won't even come to a Holy Ghost altar. Because you don't want anybody to know that you're going through a struggle. Because you don't want people to view you wrongly. But everybody in this story everybody everybody knew Jacob. He was a deceiver. And he has this aha moment with God. He walks away with that moment with a limp. He views himself, when the truth is told, not as one who can overcome and get by, but he really identifies himself with what he's called, i Jacob. And everybody knows what a heel I am. But God, everybody say, but God. But God showed up in a transformational moment and the Bible says that he walked away from that place called Jabbok. And he said, I'm going to name this place or rename this place Peniel. I have been in the face of God. And I have lived. In other words, the Bible is saying that he got close enough. He, I, he got close enough. I wish you were sitting down here, honey. I, I, would, I would get right into your face. He got close enough to where when he looked at himself, The reflection that he saw was not from a mirror. The reflection that he saw was not from somebody else's identity or label of him. But he got close enough to God that when he looked at who what God said he was and what God thought about him, he walked away going, I am a prince of God. I am Israel. I've seen a new reflection. I've got, I'm about to shout in this place. I've got a new identity. Feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Can I just talk to you? A lot of you are sitting here and you've been labeled as a failure. You've been labeled as a drug addict. You've been labeled as an alcoholic. You've been labeled as someone who has messed up their marriage and their family. You've got the label. That's what other people think about you. That's what other people say about you. But I want to give you a revelation this morning. If you can drop what you think about yourself, if you can drop and don't really care about what other people think about you, and you get close enough to Almighty God to where you get not close enough to receive from His hand, but you get close enough to look into His eyes, you're going to walk out of this place a different person this morning. You're going to walk out of here going, I have seen the reflection of what God thinks I am. You see, when God, my, my biggest struggle with my faith is not necessarily what I think about God. My my biggest struggle, pastor, is what God thinks about me. That's my biggest struggle. Because when God looks at me, He looks at me through the eyes of grace. And He goes, wait a minute. I, I don't see a little boy that's intimidated by others. I see a mighty man of valor. No wonder he can walk into the threshing floor. And he looked at that young man by the name of Gideon. And he goes, oh, you mighty man of valor. Are you kidding me? Gideon is so afraid. He's hiding out in a threshing, in a wine cellar, threshing wheat because he is intimidated. He is a coward. But God walks into the room, B, and says, I don't see a coward. I see a mighty man of God. I don't see the past. I see a mighty woman of God. I don't see where you've been and what you're going through. I see where you're going. I see a mighty man of God. It's a biblical precept, and you've got to get it. You see, if anybody looked at Moses' life, the first 40 years of his life, he spent in the throne room. And the next 40 years of his life, he was on the backside of the desert taking care of borrowed sheep. And if you looked at him, you would label him as a failure, as a washed out has been. As someone who had the opportunity of a lifetime and blew it. But when God showed up (laughs) in a burning bush, He said, You're my emancipator. You're the one who's going to walk down and look Pharaoh right in the eye because you have an encounter with me. And you're going to say, Let my people go. And you're going to walk in the power and the anointing and the authority of Almighty God. Not the label of a has been Pharaoh, not the label of a washed out shepherd, but you're going to walk into that throne room and you're going to say, I am that I am that sent me. No wonder we. wonder God could look at a little shepherd overlooked by his own family. Jesse, do you have any more sons? I mean, all these other guys, they're big, strong, strapping fellows, but don't you have? Oh, yeah, yeah, forgot about the runt. little ruddy faced, freckled face, red faced, punk of a kid, he's got a few sheep. And the prophet says, We're not even gonna sit down to dinner until you go get him. Because God, oh I feel the Holy Ghost. God looks man looks on the outward, but God looks On the inside, you see, you may be labeled as a failure. You may be labeled as a has-been. You may be labeled as a mistake. Others may see you. Others may see you as a failure, as a flop. But when you get close enough to God, when you get close enough to him and see the reflection of yourself in his eyes you see pastor if your people get this revelation you'll never have to beg for workers you'll have people walking up and saying pastor I've got close enough to God that I've seen what God wants to do in me he's going to unleash the potential in me and I am ready to serve I'm ready to move forward I'm ready to go I don't care what people say about me there's something that God has spoken over me I want you to understand that all of you God has spoken over all of you are valuable all of you have unlimited potential saying to you that i am the lord your god and i do not look on the outside i look at the heart if you will surrender to me everything in your life i will bless you i will use you i will do more for you than you could imagine Saith the lord god almighty someone today young person when you look in the mirror you may not line yourself up with what Hollywood has projected but don't you realize that everything you see is not true when you look in the mirror everything you see is not true when people speak about you everything they say is not true you've got to get close enough to the eyes of God to hear what God is saying over you isn't it incredible that all through scripture and I'm closing all through scripture that the Bible describes this person that had an encounter with God that God renamed, isn't, isn't God referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and... Whoa, 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 Wait a minute. He had an encounter with God. But we still say that Yahweh is the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want to give you a truth this morning. People will always label you, but that's not your identity. They still labeled Jacob, Jacob, but his identity was Israel. Because who is God coming back for? Israel, the people of almighty God. People will label you. They will talk bad about you, but it doesn't matter. You've got to get close enough to God and say, God, I want to see a reflection of who I am through your eyes. Would you stand with me? Someone play softly. I close with this. I I can't imagine. I can't imagine this tremendous athlete by the name of William Bruce Jenner struggling about who he is for 65 years. I can be critical, I can be harsh and talk about him in a negative way, but you know what? His struggle would be over if he got close enough to God to see what God sees him to be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says that morning that Jacob watched the sun rise up. He's had an encounter with God. He wanted a blessing, but God gave him an alteration. God changed him, gave him a transformation. And the Bible says that Jacob limped away from that encounter. quite honest with you, that bothered me a little bit because I've often thought that our encounters with God are only about blessing and only about God helping us, but the Bible says that Jacob limped. I don't know that the limp was ever changed because the Bible says in Genesis 50 that Jacob, when he was a dying, leaned on that staff. He was still leaning on a staff because he had an encounter with God that caused him to walk away with a limp. And I thought, God, why would you do that? And then the Lord just seemed to speak to me. He said, I wanted Jacob to know that I have changed him and every time he takes a step he'll be reminded of the night that he struggled with me and he got close enough to where he saw himself in my eyes i don't want him to ever forget you see in pentecost we're so we're so prone to forget we we have marvelous services and we walk out and we're the same Pastors, pray over us and seek God for us almost every week. And I know that your pastor and his wife and family, they're going to pray about you. They're going to pray over you. They're going to ask God to give you an encounter. But we have marvelous services and we walk out. But you see, this morning, I don't want you to walk out like you came in. Even if you walk out with a limp, even if you walk out saying, I'm I'm never going to forget this day. I'm never going to forget that I got close enough to the face of God where God spoke something into my life and told me that my value, that my image, that my identity, that my self-worth is not wrapped up in what I think about myself nor what others think about me, but what He knows about me. How do you know He knows? Because the Bible said in Revelation... When we get to heaven, he gives us a stone. And inside that stone, there's been a prearranged name. He said, inside that stone, there's a name that has been etched in the glory of that translucent stone. And that's what God has seen in you and spoken over you from the time that you were conceived. When your mom and dad was having fun and you were conceived, God said, this is who I see. This is who I see. There are people here today, you're so, You're struggling and God is saying don't struggle anymore with your your heads bowed your eyes closed I'm trying so desperately to quit you say Bishop